0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to top people and ideas, powered by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9. This is the Breakfast Grill. I'm Keith Calm. Depending on how old you are, Bank Simpana National or its ancestor, the Post Office Savings Bank, was probably the first savings account you ever opened as a kid. It certainly was mine and I remember opening it when their officers came to my primary school to help pupils learn to save money. BSN itself was born from an Act of Parliament in 1974. Its aim is to fulfil the social objective of raising savings rates and savings awareness among schools. School children and the young. Today, apart from its physical branches, BSN also appoints banking agents from amongst owners of establishments in the local community like your Kedai Runchit, petrol stations and mobile phone top-up shops. Today, we speak to its CEO, Jay Khairil, on the challenges the bank faces in light of advancements in tech and how savings habits have changed over the decades. Good morning, Jay. Welcome to BFM. Good morning, Keith. Thank you for having me. It's good to know that you are our customer. Are you still a customer? I still am. I still am, actually. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole conversation we can have on the power of compounding interest but that's for another day okay all right no worries (laughs) as far as bsn's mandates concerned it stipulates that you guys operate on a dual business objective you serve small savers and you also have commercial businesses to keep you sustainable like loans and mortgages Mm -hmm. perhaps you could just give us an overview of how you navigate this national service versus making money let me probably just start by you know Going a little bit more About what we do today Mm -hmm. In
1: BSN So very briefly We operate exactly Like how a mainstream Commercial bank would operate We care in extensive ways Our balance sheet Our capital adequacy Our liquidity requirements On that aspect We are significantly similar Right Now, the key difference is, of course, our mandate to serve the underserved and unserved. You mentioned about the post-bank. We Mm -hmm. still go to schools. We still encourage students to open accounts with us. We inculcate the savings habit. We today work with the Ministry of Education to design financial literacy modules with the schools. So these are things that we do on continuous basis and we still do. Now, there was a recent panel discussion by UNGC in Parliament where I shared about the extent and scope of what serving the underserved and unserved literally means. Okay. Uh, I give an example of an 18-year-old who's probably a school leaver, well, probably from also a well-to-do family and has not officially come into the banking system. So on that aspect, he or she could be unserved. Now, on the contrary, Malaysian citizens from geographically remote areas that have limited or no access to banking are also underserved and or potentially unserved. Now, this is why we exist Right mm-hmm. today we still have 389 branches where almost half of these branches are in remote areas. So, needless to say, these branches are there to bridge the gap for financial intermediation. There is obviously, you know, very little or no commercial viability otherwise. I think the context of right sustainability
0: and profitability, right, uh, except to provide very basic banking and financial services. So, so your KPI is basically just to ensure that the underserved and unserved well are taken care of, rather than looking after your bottom line. Is that it? The bottom line has, I mean, my
1: KPI is is a very simple dissection: forty percent of it has to be financial sustainability right? which is the bottom line the cost to income ratio etc etc but there is a bigger agenda there in terms of how we ensure the unserved and the underserved are looked after mm-hmm. and we of course exist in those areas to ensure sustainability from that aspect
0: I do want to get into how you guys go about doing that especially in this digital age but yeah. I'm also curious that uh, I remember when I was a kid the interest I earned from my savings was a little higher than what my parents got. At least that's what they told me. This is, I suppose, a function of trying to inculcate that habit of saving from a young age. How successful was this? Is this still a thing though today? It is. Today, we are
1: proud to have close to a million student accounts with us. hmm now, we we have to differentiate the products to cater for this segment of the population, the students. So, you know, we introduce a lot of gamification, a lot of interactive mode in the product to encourage them to come on board and save. So as they save, we also take into account their co-curriculum activities. You know, we give bonus here and there. And, you know, a bit of rebates here and there It is to encourage and make it interactive So that they find a way to also understand mm-hmm. What savings is all about How do we inculcate this culture of savings from the very young So these are, these are things that we do on a continuous basis We still do yeah. Of course, rates, we try as much to differentiate them Not by a large amount, I would say But there is differentiation Just an incentive for them Just an incentive for them It's more intended to educate So it's more intended as an education intervention for them to know uh, at a very
0: young age what financial management is all about. So those are activities that we do with schools. I also remember your premium savings certificates. That's quite a decent incentive for people to want to save. Uh, What's the take-up rate today? Is it still as popular as before? It is still very
1: popular. So of course, we have enhanced it. Today, we also pay dividend. So in the past, it's purely, you know, on the hope of winning uh, the BMWs, the Mercedes, etc., the prizes. Today, we do introduce, uh, we call it SSP Premium or Platinum, mm-hmm. uh, where if you keep a certain amount for a period of time, you get to also
0: enjoy a good dividend rate. That's not very Sharia compliant, is it? When you get to win a car, a BMW, for example, I mean, it's almost like buying a lottery ticket. Oh,
1: no, it's not. Uh, so, it's it's totally Sharia compliant. What differentiates this is the pool of the prize does not come from the savers, right? So it comes from the bank, right? right? So the bank provides that pool of prices and we have gone, you know, to a very extensive detail to ensure that it is Sharia compliance. It is totally Sharia compliant.
0: I want to shift the conversation to, um, you know, there are three units under BSN, one of which is the life insurance arm, Gibraltar BSN Life Berhad. Now it's known as FWD Insurance BSN Berhad. And this is after the Hong Kong-based FWD Group Mm -hmm. acquired a 70% stake in Gibraltar. Mm -hmm. This means FWD's entry into Malaysia's insurance landscape. Talk to me about this business proposition. What does BSN bring to the table? What can you do with a 30% stake? So we are a distributor,
1: we partner previously Gibraltar and now FWD. And FWD, it's a very exciting and very aggressive insurance company that is uh, coming yeah. on board. They have plans to even do IPO in Hong Kong. We have had series of discussion with them in terms of as a bank, how do we distribute better? Mm-hmm. So of course, when we speak to our partner, our insurance partner, we tell them, look, it must cater to our segment of our population the segment of our customers. Majority of them are B forty. Uh, so we cannot have products that are, you know, usually catered for the mass affluent, right? And protection coverage awareness is still something that the country can improve on. So we have to do this collaboratively together uh, with FWD to encourage people to have that awareness and to have very low entry point. So we we have products like, you know, 60 ringgit premium for a year. And it gives of course the coverage will not be fantastic. But it's a good starting point. Uh Uh, It's a good awareness point. So we do a lot of interaction that way with our insurance partner to make sure that, you know, insurance
0: is not just for the mass affluent. It is
1: also for the lower segment of the community.
0: The partnership with Prudential prior to this, did that not work out? Did it not meet its KPIs? Is that why there was a decision to shift? Not exactly. I think Prudential America obviously has
1: different business strategies and all, and they decided to, you know, not continue with their business. In Malaysia, of course. Uh, then we we were out in the open looking for a potential suit, and FWD was. You know, on board the, this this collaboration.
0: What do we know about the uh, IPO in Hong Kong? There's not much news of it since it was hinted at earlier this year. <laughs> I don't
1: know exactly, but I think it's moving really well. From the last I heard, you know, from my counterparts in FW it's moving really well. Uh, I hope to see them, you know, uh, be successful in whatever endeavor it is. Yeah.
0: But Prudential is still your partner in the Takaful. For the
1: full space, yes. Right. So we have approved BSN yeah. outfit. This is with Prudential, of course, uh, PCH. Hong Kong
0: Earlier we were talking about the unserved and underserved and I kind of want to point out that a lot of the MSMEs in the Mm. rural areas they're pretty much Mm. in that category Mm. A few months back you announced a partnership with Visa that focuses on this group the Mm. micro, small and medium enterprises Mm -hmm. This is to help them navigate the e-commerce space How is this progressing? Because it's not just facility to give them loans but to educate as well, right? Yeah. This is a fantastic journey
1: that we have embarked on with Visa We have enrolled more than 700 micro SMEs into the program. So it's fantastic It's meant to nurture Mm -hmm. You know, we have been In this micro business For a long time Now when we dissect And we deep dive into The problem areas Of the micro SMEs We find a lot of time The understanding Of basic financial management You know, simple cash flow management Simple business planning And stuff like that Are sometimes lacking Mm. Uh, So we need to navigate The micro business Or the micro financing business Slightly differently From how we do Our traditional lending business So this is a segment where we need to also nurture them. Okay. So the nurturing program, it has to be genuine and we have to genuinely care about our micro-SMEs. Uh, so not just with Visa, we also work with you know, AKPK, some other uh, SME agencies to bring about that rigor and that vibrancy in terms of making them learn. Uh, and as they learn, as they progress, as they graduate, we then give them facilities. So before we extend the facility to them, we make sure that they have the capabilities to run with it. Um, so in, in many forms and shapes, we have come around this. It's it's still brewing. It's still going on. Uh, we would like to maybe, you know, do a reflection at some point. But at this juncture, it's actually working very well. We even partner with a commercial bank mm-hmm. because, you know, our mandate is very clear. We do not take them further to the SME space Uh, So we need someone to also fetch them And say, okay, you have done very well These are your creme de la creme These are your, your best Let us take
0: them forward and they've graduated after that. And they will graduate after that. On The Breakfast Grill this morning is Jay Khairil, the CEO of Bank Simbana National. On the other side of the break, we will discuss how BSN is meeting challenges in this increasingly borderless and digital world. BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill. Brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Breakfast Grill. In the studio with us this morning is Jay Khairil, the CEO of Bank Simpana National. Now, Jay, as an MOF-owned entity, you will, of course, be affected by government policies and decisions. Let's take, for example, when the floods happened at the end of last year, personal financing was extended to ease the burden of flood victims. This would have had an impact on your GIL, the gross impact loan rate show how do you balance this national service with you know again business sustainability because i mean if you don't make money how are you going to stay afloat yourself right Uh,
1: so we were very fortunate we were able to discuss with MOF at that time because we wanted it to be rolled out pretty quickly so there was assistance from the financial perspective of course there were grants extended to us in terms of intermediating this Mm -hmm. Um, It's doing what we, you know, the reason of our existence, right? Mm -hmm. And at that time, we had like, you know, I remember the conversation even at that time, it was the Minister of Finance and also uh, the Secretary General of Treasury. We don't have much time, right? The flood is real. If we we take, say, two months, you know, the flood would have receded and nothing else would have mattered, right? Uh, So we were able to come around and that's being agile. In a week, we actually launched that scheme. Uh, of course, we have this uh, standing understanding with, with the MOF, how do we grant
0: that facility. Uh, and today, we are still in collection mode. How dire is this collection mode coming along? I mean, it's about a year since what happened, right? I mean, I mean not to mention uh, the previous floods. <laughs> it could have been better. Okay. Uh, I mean, of course, you know,
1: when we roll out assistance of this magnitude, people generally also feel that, oh, isn't this a government grant? Uh, mm. Why do I have to pay back? You know, but that's, that's where education is important. So we always tell this group of customers, look, you know, flood is not just going to stop today, right? There will be impending ones. And don't you think it's also important that we have this coffer so that we can continue to facilitate and help people who are in need. So today, there could be a real financial constraint, you know, a dent that you need to repair. And we will give you the facility to do exactly that. But when you are more able, you should remember that there are going to be people who will be suffering the same fate, right? Then what do we do? You know, there must be that ecosystem that, you know, you help those that in need tomorrow, right? So that's how we normally educate them. I mean, it's not, you know, I I don't want to also paint a picture that, you know, all of them are paying promptly. There are
0: some delinquents. Yeah, there are some delinquents. I I mean, that aside, with BSN, you guys are pretty much on the ground. You have your ears very, very close to the grassroots. Do you get a sense that a lot of them can't pay back their loans more as a function of the fact that everything is so much more expensive and business isn't just as good? What kind of sense of the current economy are you getting? Well, on on the B40 segment in
1: particular, uh, the cost of living and the impact is real right? Um, so we saw attrition even in our um, savings accounts and all. I mean, the attrition is real. The cost of living impact is real. It does cause, you know, people needing to find ways just to continue to live. Yeah, So that's real. But, you know, I would also like to say that, you know, the government has put in a lot of initiatives and plans and it's coming around, right? So employment rate is there, you know, the economy is coming back. But is it um, being felt by the grassroots? Well, you know, the grassroots are forever going to complain, right? I mean, it's painful when the mm. cost of living goes up. And, you know, any intervention policies is not going to be immediate. I mean, there are some stopgap measures that the government does. And they have been effective. Um, but there are also the longer ones. I mean, the policy intervention takes time. It is organic. You know, the progressive wage that the government announced, all those will take time, right? You, we, we cannot repair the structure of the economy overnight. Mm. It takes time. Uh, But we all need to also, you know, partake in our earnest ways, not only asking what else can the government do and give us. We also must ask ourselves, Mm. how have we been productive over the period and
0: how are we able to also help? uh, I, I, I can't help this might have an impact on your profitability. Would there come a time when you would have to say, or BSN would have to say, you know, I think we need to reassess our costs and what we need to do? And also, what do you need to do if it comes to that? So, okay, on that part, the cost-to-income ratio is high. Yeah, right. One of the highest
1: in the industry. I'm not shy to admit that. Uh, But it's also because we are cross-subsidising a lot of our initiatives, a lot of our mandates as we move along. So, there is a genuine need for us to, in a way, inverted commerce, modernise the bank, Mm -hmm. right? So, we need to do, you know, cost-to-income ratio, yes, It measures how productive you are and it is also how we are able to produce more. So innovation is something that we have to constantly talk about and think about and that's what is happening right now in the bank. A lot of transformation that is coming along. You know, the days of the brick and mortars will be a history past. The digital era is here to stay and we need to scale. So, you know, every time we need to scale, there is that technology hindrance, right? The technology cost is not cheap. It comes with a bomb. And we need to do that in a very measured way. We need to know how do we move the dial and not rush into things and not knowing what's the impact to us. So all those things, you know, whether we go more into traditional lending, you know, NII is impacting yes. all banks, NIM is compressing, those things affect us as well. We, of course, look at into, you know, other areas of revenue generation like fee base, you know, wealth products, etc., etc. So those things, to, you know, we have launched our gold account very recently. Uh, so that has also gained very good traction. We are reviving our agent bank model, not that we won't exist in all places in in Malaysia, but we want to be able to partner with someone to at least make us more agile, right? Because it is still very device centric, and device centric means technology headache. So we need to find a partner that says, look, I'll take away your technology headache, you do what you do best, which is to serve.
0: Not to be a person who keeps wanting to point out the bad news, but you know, interest rates have gone up 125 basis points course. since 2022. Yeah. I was just wondering, which sector has been struggling to repay their loans with the bank? So, case okay,
1: 60% of our financing customers are B40, right? And a large portion of my financing book is on mortgage. Of course, we see the strain initially, but people people were making adjustments also to the new repayment amount and stuff and also the cost of living impact, etc. So that was real. We were, of course, you know, concerned on those numbers, especially it was escalating in the beginning, but it has normalized now, Mm -hmm. right? It has normalized now. Of course, the other area that we um, particularly concerned about is the micro financing book, right? That, of course, has the real direct impact. Right. During the pandemic, you know, they almost could not sustain, mm. right? So this is where we have to call them in, right? Don't be the typical uh, banker that says, hey, you know, you haven't paid your loans, you're going to come up to you, you're going to repossess this, repossess that. But instead, offer the olive branch you know, ask how would they be able to come back into business? What is the comfortable amount that they can actually offer to pay? And work out some kind of arrangement to allow them to come back on their feet right. from a cash flow perspective. So that's that's happening. I'm I'm sure it's not just BSN. I'm sure all banks do the same. They, mean, they should actually. Yeah. And yeah. and Bank Negara is very state
0: fast. Yeah. Jay, just earlier we were talking about digital banks, right? And, yeah. and Bank Negara did grant licenses to some of these institutions to reach the unbanked, underserved and unserved community. Isn't that your mandate? (laughs) It is. But let's go back to that example
1: of the 18-year-old, right? So exactly where, you know, this is a space where isn't the more the merrier, right? It is, right? And you cut away technology, we have to be agile anyways, right? We have to be in the thick of offering our online solution, digital solution. All those things are something that we cannot avoid. We have to also be as much involved as that digital banks are in terms of offering so it it is a good disruption if you ask me accelerate all this online convenience to customers but at the same time uh, we we must always know the reason of our existence right which is continue to make sure um, you know all the unserved and underserved are
0: uh, look into how, so how is the digitalization process with with BSN does that mean you are not going to have as many physical outlets anymore uh, today that's not yet possible right uh, our remote branches uh,
1: will still be there and now let me just uh, give you an example we are uh, the only agent to uh, to help distribute the, the the government aid or the STR the sumangatunai rahma um, of course when we first started um, the amount of people, the recipients that are actually taking cash mm-hmm. instead of crediting it into their account, is over a million of total, say, eight, nine million recipients. So it's a huge percentage. It's more than 10%. Mm-hmm. Today, we have brought that down to about 400,000. But there are still these 400,000 recipients that will come to our branch to take cash. And there are many reasons for it, Right. Uh, and sometimes when I go down to the ground, and interact with these people. And it is as simple as, you know, when I go back to my kampung or my community, everyone there deals with cash. So you credit to my account. It takes me 50, 60 kilometers to get to an ATM machine. I might as well come here and take cash and go back and continue with my day-to-day living, right? So those, those things are still there. You know, that, that's where we all have to play our part. Mm. Right, we all have to play our part in terms of, you know, the education intervention, the awareness. So today we do a lot of things. We 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 find communities, we make them cashless, uh, we educate the community to come on board this cashless uh, program. Uh, but it, it's working, right? The trajectory is there. Uh, we have now brought it down to four hundred thousand. This is quite significant, mm.
0: uh, and I think we will further bring it down in the years to come. Jay, let's end with this. Next year, 2024, BSN will be half a century old. What achievement would you be celebrating most? I think the modernization of the bank, right? Today,
1: I mean, we have a lot of sleepless nights, I'll be very frank with you. There are a lot of pain points and, you know, as simple as we want to be, um, you know, I have this very little ambition. Okay, well, not little, aggressive in my colleague's sense of a scheme of things to be, you know, one of the top customer service provider in terms of financial solutions. So I remember the day I went to the board and told the board, look, I have this ambition to be top 10, you know. Why top 10? Because that's where the mainstream banks are. Right? Because it's a very simple statement to make. But you know the nuts and bolts, there are so many things that you need to put in place. You need to look at your operations. You need to look at your processes. You need to look at your channels. You just basically have to revamp a lot of things. Right. So it's a very simple ambition, but it is not easy to do. But we need to have that ambition. Uh, so of course, the board asked, where are you right now? I said, you know, I'm not shy to admit I'm 20th. You know, we all had a good laugh, but it was a very painful laugh. So that journey began that day. Today, fast forward, it's not been an easy two, three years, but we are now 15. So it's positive, you know, the trajectory is there. The process has begun and we just have to continue to do what we do well better.
0: Jay Khairil, CEO of Bank Simpanan National, thanks for coming in and sharing your thoughts with us and all the best to you. No problem. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. This has been The Breakfast Grill. I'm Keith calm for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM BFM Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile, Malaysia's number one 5G network. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.